This is just the usual reminder that this show may contain some adult language and humour, and all opinions expressed by guests are solely their own. Hello, I'm Damien Edwardson, one half of Art92 and the creator of the sci-fi wrestling comic, The Galaxy Grappling Alliance, and welcome to Omenta That, the chip-free sporadic podcast series where I'll be talking to a selection of hand-picked guests on a diverse range of topics centred in and around the world of art, comics and all things creative. And on today's show, I'm thrilled to be joined by one of my own art heroes, arguably one of the greatest living illustrators and caricature artists of our generation. And most recently, his work can be seen gracing the cover of Time Magazine's Person of the Year issue. Very kindly, he's taken the time out of his busy schedule to spend a couple of hours talking to us about his career, his process and why he's not so keen on cave paintings. So settle back, you're in for a real treat as we delve into the art of Jason Siler. On today's show, I'm thrilled to welcome a genuine superstar of modern illustration. Not only a master portrait artist, but one of the greatest caricaturists of our generation. He's sickeningly talented both in physical and digital media, and is mentioned quite rightly in the same breath as artistic legends such as Drew Struzan, Sebastian Kruger and Tom Richmond. His work includes covers for the New York Times, Rolling Stone... The New Yorker, Mad Magazine, and most recently, the Time Magazine Person of the Year cover, featuring President Joe Biden and VP Kamala Harris. And if that wasn't enough, he's also a successful art tutor and podcaster with his brilliant art series, Face the Truth. So without further delay, it is my absolutely ridiculous pleasure to welcome the one and only Jason Seiler. Wow, thank you, man. That was a really awesome intro. I should... uh take take uh, some classes from you so i can do my podcast a little bit better <laughs> but i mean the, the hardest bit with you was cutting out stuff because <laughs> the amount of you know i mean i thought i'll pick i'll pick some of the more famous covers you've done but man oh me your body of work is just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal thanks man it's been a long haul <laughs> yeah yeah well, well we'll come on to that but um you know I'm, as i say i'm genuinely thrilled to have you on the show and for people listening I've had a couple of my kind of um, artistic influences and heroes on before now. And I make, again, I make no apology for being a fanboy. So, you know, um, be, strap yourselves in. There's going to be a lot of fawning. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. I'm honored to, to to be on and chat with you, man. Oh, thank you. How's things in Chicago? In uh, It's been a, been a weird old year, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. It's been very strange. I mean, as far as this whole pandy thing goes, it's been... Um, you know, I, I, I'm used to like basically being in my studio all the time anyways. So it's not that strange for me. Um, I think the hardest part with having kids is trying to figure out ways to help them not feel cooped up all the time. Um, mm. but, uh, in a way it's, it's been kind of strange cause you, you know, you kind of just cozy with your family all the time. Um, but like I said, it's not that much different. I pretty much live in my studio, so. I kind of miss I miss th- doing things. <laughs> um, I I you, I was doing stand up comedy, um, which was a lot of fun for me because it was something to yeah. kind of uh, 
there's something different for me to challenge myself with and something I looked forward to doing every week was kind of refreshing. Uh, so I can't wait to do that again. Yeah, my wife and I just went on our first date um, in over a year. Um, wow. So we, it was that was really nice. We had um, her brother and sister-in-law watch our babies. And uh, we just went out for two hours and had dinner. It was like, wow, this is, I forgot what this was like. Um, yeah. So, but for the most part, everything's been pretty good. You know, we uh, just kind of roll with it. Just keep working and hope for the best. You know, that's, that's really all that I feel like I can do right now at this time. Yeah, so, I mean, it is weird. I mean, it's strange because I've been kind of working from home since March last year. Yeah. But um, it's been strange. And I don't know, you just kind of, it's become a new, that horrible term, the new norm, hasn't it? But yeah. to be honest, even when I wasn't in work, I was spending most of my time sat in the studio anyway, drawing and painting. So it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I suppose to a degree, yeah. as artists, it's a little bit easier to cope with. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it. it is. I mean, I feel lucky that, you know, it hasn't affected my work too much. And I am lucky that I can work from home. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are having a really rough time. And so I feel really bad for yeah. them. But I feel lucky that I've been able to keep working. It has been way slower for me. Um, right. So there's been a lot of added stress. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just, you know, I keep doing what I what I can. And you know, the life of an artist is pretty much, you know, you got to hustle all the time anyways. So yeah. it just makes me try, you know, different things or, you know, maybe try to come up with something more creative or productive way to make some extra cash while I wait for people to call me and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. But you've got, um, was I right in thinking you've got a Patreon channel starting soon? Um, yes, I'm starting it very soon. Um, I... Um, it's been something I've been wanting to do for a while, and a lot of people have um, told me that I should I should have one. And yeah. so, um, what I've been doing is I'm I'm basically before I release it, I want to have some things ready, um, just so that when I open it, there's there's things that people can enjoy right away. Mm. Uh, so, but I, I but my basic plan for the Patreon thing is is basically to keep it really simple. And basically offer, like, I'm not, this is the part I haven't decided yet how much I want to do, but I'm just, I'm trying to think of maybe th- between three to five hours of video a month for like for right. like five bucks a month or something like that. Wow. And that's it, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I figured it would be something kind of cool for me just to be able to draw and paint and record myself and not share it with anyone anywhere except for that. And so it's just like an exclusive, almost like a hanging out with me in my mm. studio thing. So, um, but I, I've, you know, it's, I look at the Patreon sites and see all the different things and all that these people are offering all these things. It's like, man, I, I got to keep it simple. You know, I don't want, yeah. I don't want to, you know, I don't even know how some of these people do so many things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the tyranny of choice in it really. Cause, um, my wife started a Patreon channel earlier this year. Well, earlier last year, should I say, cause she's a pet portrait artist. Um, oh, okay, and she started doing that. But to be honest with you, we we kind of struggled to work out what the tears were going to be without putting too much strain on yourself. You know, to be delivering because you're promising 
tutorials every week or whatever. It's just not it's not financially viable. You know? Yeah. So um, <laughs> she's kind of like withdrawn it for a little bit, and we're thinking of relaunching it and doing a bit like yourself, where we're just gonna. I think she's gonna look at doing a kind of like just the single level at a at a reasonable amount and just say you know this is what you'll get, but keep that very kind of manageable. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, and that and I I was thinking about the, the exact same thing that you're saying is. I are, I'm already doing so many different things. You know, I've got four daughters. I have to do my illustration. Um, when I can, yeah. I, I hope to do stand-up comedy again. So I'm, I'm writing and I'm trying to work on that stuff. So there's a lot of – oh, and I also – I teach as well. So I teach online. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I'm, I'm pretty busy. Um, so I thought, you know – and my wife was like, you got to do this Patreon thing. Like, you know, we she she saw some other artists doing it and then I saw some, some artists uh, – that we're doing some pretty simple things mm-hmm. and making some crazy amount of money on there. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, I got to get some of that. Oh, you're you know? doing it anyway. <laughs> That's the thing. Isn't it? You know, you, you're doing the work. So it's about yeah, recording the bits that people don't necessarily see. Like, yeah. And I, I just, one thing I was thinking is, like I said, like keeping it simple um, so that it's not, you know, it's not super complicated, um, but you know, Hey, you, you pay this much month and you're going to get this much, um, stuff yeah. for it and and that's and that's it like um other people have been telling me oh you should do critiques to all these different things and uh, i do it's called schoolism mm. so um, yeah <laughs> i already do that um but um yeah it's just I, I i think it's one way to be able to you know i thought it'd be kind of cool like even like certain jobs i'm working yeah. on like while i'm working on it i can record some of my process um so like when i do a job for like time magazine or something like that then you know my Patreon fans are, get to see this behind the scene type you know process or whatever. Mm. So it could be kind of cool. So, but it, it it is something that I'm still trying to develop. I started I started a page, but I haven't released it yet. And I have I'm just trying to get yeah. together. So it's it's really much at the at the infancy at this point. So. Cool. Look forward to it. I'm sure it'll be absolutely brilliant. So just for maybe anyone that isn't familiar with your work, because obviously. I'll come on to this a bit later, but, but particularly around illustration caricatures within the UK are very different to the US. So I'm hoping there are some people who are going to listen to this show that maybe aren't familiar with your work and they'll get the same kind of thrill that I got when I first discovered what you do, you know, because it is quite literally like mind-blowing, the stuff you produce, mate. And, but just for people that maybe aren't familiar, just want to give us a little bit of a bit of your art history. You know, have you always been an artist? Was it was it always the thing that you wanted to do? I know you, you, your dad was an artist, wasn't he? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I, I'm not I'm not quite sure the, what the difference would be between, like, art in the UK versus the United States. Um, I mean, you know, what's funny is I've... Um, <laughs> I noticed like years ago, I, f- I felt like um, when, when, I, when I was ever in the UK or Europe that it seemed like people accepted caricature a lot more mm. um, than they do here, Ex- especially the more exaggerated caricature. It seemed like they're, they're more acceptable of that. That's, um, that's kind of the element I was getting to, actually. Because um, I made some oh, notes okay. earlier where the, the kind of British sense of caricature has always been a bit more, a bit more cruel, a bit more vicious. You know, we've got... Because it's yeah. more politically motivated, um, and yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, you'll get some absolute like legends, like you know, Gerald Scarf and, and Ralph Steadman, who, you know, their their caricatures are very, very kind of extreme in comparison to maybe, 
you know, like your, their US counterparts, Mort Drucker, people like yourself, you know, who have that more element of realism and, and then kind of, you know, uh, caricature. So that's kind of where I see a bit of it. And I could be wrong, but to me, I've always had this feeling that we tend to be a bit more cruel. Think no, I think it. that's right. <laughs> well, you know, you know what it is. So like when I first started um, getting into caricature, um, well, I'll give you a, a, a little bit of a quick history is basically I, uh, I've been obsessed. I guess that's the right word um, with drawing ever since I can yeah. remember. And I think it's because, you know, as a young kid, my dad was an, an artist and he was a wildlife artist. He won wildlife artist of the mm -hmm. year and a bunch of like, like state competitions and, and national competitions. And so when I was a kid, my dad was like, like a God to me. And I felt a lot of pressure that, that I put on myself basically um, you know, like when you're, when you're a kid in school and, and you're, you know, the teacher wants everyone to do a drawing, mine had to be the best one. Otherwise I was, I, I was, uh, I, I, it was shameful yeah. for me. Like I felt embarrassed, like, um, and nobody knew that my dad was an artist and it was just all in my own head. And I just, I decided at a very, very young age, and I'm talking like at least kindergarten. Um, but for sure around first grade, I remember really being serious but I, I decided I was going to be an artist and that was it. Mm. There was nothing else. Um, and I mean, I, my grades lacked everything. <laughs> I was just, that's all I cared about yeah. was drawing. And, um, I would just draw, 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 draw. I would get home from school, do my homework as fast as possible and just draw for hours. My parents would make me go play with kids and I <laughs> last about 20, 30 minutes and then I'd be back inside drawing again. And my dad even grounded me once from drawing cause it was getting too crazy. <laughs> um, I, I he took me to the movies and I I brought a sketch sketch pad to the movie theater and he looked over and I'm drawing instead of wow. watching the movie and he was like all right that you got a problem and he grounded me for quite a while I think it was like two weeks no drawing um or something like that I, it's been a while but I remember just being so angry that he did that but I just I don't even know what I wanted to do I didn't really have like a goal except for I just there, the, I I think part of it was is I I got bullied quite a bit when I was a kid, and I think the drawing was something that um, I kind of it kind of made me feel like I had some kind of superpowers or something. Like mm. I felt like I, you know, like when when a kid was picking on me, I remember having these thoughts in my mind. You have no idea who you're picking on, mm. you know, like you know, and it, it was just a way to kind of maybe make myself feel better or whatever, but it really was my identity, like my whole childhood. Like I was just the, the art kid and, and I yeah. just would draw everything. I would just fill up sketchbooks and I was really competitive. Um, and I was really determined to be the best that I could possibly be. And I would, I would just practice and practice and practice. And my dad told me when I was a young kid, um, practice doesn't make perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. And he would tell me these things like winners never quit, quitters never win. Yeah. He was just like, so like, you know, and then he would be, and by the way, pride comes before the fall. I'm like, oh, okay. So I just had all this stuff um, programmed into my mind and I just, I was just very obsessive about it. And I, I did a lot of comics and cartoons and Batman and all these different things and started really getting interested in drawing people. And then one day I just started like drawing caricatures. I didn't, mm. 
I, 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 at the time, I thought I invented the art form. I was just <laughs> like drawing. I remember I started drawing um, this actor. I think his name was James Woods. Oh yeah. He was the f- yeah, and I, I believe he was the first one. And I did this really funny drawing. It looked just like him, and I just got obsessed. I started like seeing everyone this way. I just started. It was almost like I had like a of like a you know circus mirror in my mind or something. I just started like. Uh, I'd go, you know, to the mall with my parents, and I would just uh, start laughing out loud. And pe- they probably thought I was crazy or something. And that, and uh, they would ask, you know, what, what is so funny? I was like, did you see that that guy? <laughs> like, I, and like, I just was like, it was just, in, it was in, in, you know, a little bit crazy. But I got obsessed with it. My dad was a youth pastor, and um, so I started drawing all the kids and youth at the youth group. And the girls hated me, you know, because I was ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then eventually my dad bought me this book called caricature. Um, I think that's what it's called, but it's, uh, the art of Len Red- Redman and it's a really old book. And I, that's when I realized that, you know, caricature is this thing it's called caricature. I couldn't even pronounce it at the time, probably. Um, and I just went through that book and I just started drawing everything in that book and I didn't read it for a while. I just drew from it. <laughs> just yeah, um, and I remember the first time I actually read the book, I was like, "Oh, I should have read this a while ago. This is actually some pretty good information." Um, mm. and yeah, so I just then I I really started getting into caricature when I was around ten, I think, and um, that of course led to Mad Magazine, more Drucker, Jack Davis, um, mm. you know, and then eventually by the time I was eighteen, my dad gave me a, a book by Sebastian Kruger. Um, and I, it blew my mind cause it was exactly what I was wanting to do, except yeah. he was, had been doing it for like 20 years already or whatever. And he was painting like super photorealistic and exaggerating like a, like a, like a madman. And I was like, that's exactly. So I remember having like this thought, do I quit? <laughs> cause it's yeah. already been done. Like what I was, or do I just keep going and just, you know, and push and push. And so I decided that he was going to be the standard of quality and I need to get myself, if I want to be taken seriously, I want to have, I want to have that kind of quality. Yeah. And so I just, I decided just to push myself and, 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 um, now the funny thing about what you were saying with the, the, maybe the British perhaps being more cruel and everything is I, I think I was influenced a lot by, you know, European caricature, um, Jean Maltier, uh, mm. Kruger, Yano Tobik. Um, that was the kind of caricature stuff that really, like, I just, I, I just loved how the form was pushed, and mm. and and I couldn't believe how far you could push the form, but then they still like thought about the anatomy and the the planes and the and uh, and and all that stuff, and it so it really challenged me. And so I just really started pushing myself and I taught myself how to crosshatch and, and how to like form with, you know, the pencil, get the, the form to really pop. And, and when I first started, when I first decided to like try to become an illustrator, I, I was influenced a lot by American illustration, like, like C.F. Payne and Roberto Prada, um, yeah. Daniel Dell, and uh, like my friend Fred, who's a friend of mine now, Fred Harper, Thomas Fluharty, good friend of mine. Um, so there is these artists that 
that really were getting published on a regular basis. And, um, I, I was like, I was, you know, struggling to figure out like why in the world um, are, are these guys getting published all the time? Mm. And I was sending my, my very exaggerated versions to Mad Magazine and all. I was sending like, you know, postcards and whatever, never got any, anybody interested. <laughs> and it was really discouraging because what, what happened was is I, I started collecting all these magazines with, you know, CF Payne and, you know, all these different artists in it and, um, Ishmael Roland and, and I, 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 it, it gave me enough um, inspiration and, and confidence that I, I can do that. If these guys can do it, I can do it. But then it was discouraging because I wasn't hearing anything back. And yeah. then it, it wasn't until I, I uh, Ishmael Roldan, who was a really good friend of mine, who unfortunately passed away in 2009, but um, years and years before that, he he sort of this was before there was Facebook or anything. He I, I was I found his email online and had wrote him and you know attached my artwork and sent it and and it was like a back and forth thing for quite a while and he, he eventually kind of took me under his wing and. He was just straight up with me. He was just like, hey, man, your work's really good. But if you want to get published, you have to pull back the exaggeration like maybe 30%. Right. Because what you're doing is you're pushing it so far. And they're funny and they're really good likenesses. But the Wall Street Journal is not going to publish something that's that exaggerated. And yeah. and you also need to work on your bodies and, and how the head connects to the body and how you can draw multiple characters together and Start putting that stuff together, and I guarantee you, you're going to start getting published. Mm. Uh, because he said you have all the elements. They're, it's like it's like cooking. Um, if I'm going to say like make up an analogy right now, it, it's yeah. it's like it's like I had all the ingredients, but maybe I was putting in too much salt, so it didn't taste quite Got right. It. You yeah. know. So yeah. I took his advice, and I just pulled my exaggeration back a little bit, and I realized, wow, this is actually easier. <laughs> because it, it like the, the extreme exaggeration I was doing or it was harder. It took, it took more mm. time or mental time. And, um, and you know, it, it was just, and it's, and I'm not saying that, um, that pulling back is just like, Oh, it's so easy. It's just that I realized if I just kind of draw naturally, how I, how I naturally would draw somebody instead of always thinking I have to push it like 150%, um, with, with the exaggeration, um, I, I'm going to get a really solid likeness and it's yeah. still going to be funny. And even then clients are like, that's a little, can you kind of pull back a little bit? So it's clients are in, in America anyways, are very touchy about the exaggeration. Um, right. but anyways, it, he was right though, because as soon as I started pulling back the exaggeration just a little bit, I mean, I started getting work pretty quickly actually. And once I got a few of those under my belt, um, it just, it just, you know, it, the w word travels, you know, and it, it seemed to, it seemed to go around fast. And I think part of it, part of it was because I was still doing something that was still me. Like there's a huge difference between what I do and what CF Payne does and what these other people. So it was, you know, that's the, that's the thing is in the illustration world, finding like a key voice is probably the hardest part about it. Yeah. And so I, I remember like early on realizing that and like um, I have to just try my best just to just to draw like me. And because, you know, it, early on, I was 
just trying to be Kruger. I was trying to be Yano the Beak or whatever, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so the moment I kind of just just started drawing as natural as possible, just just how I would draw, um, I started I started having a very distinct um, style and look, and and I just kind of went with it. And I remember like making decisions, you know, I'm I'm just going to compete with myself, you know, mm. like the, the whatever piece I get published, um, I'm going to make sure that my next one's going to be better than that one, and just always try to push myself rather than focus on all these other artists all the time. Because um, yeah. that's what I was doing <laughs> for a while. It was very discouraging at the beginning. <laughs> it, it's easy to do, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> art's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you know, I have this conversation with nearly every artist who comes on where we talk about the fact that it's a tough business, you know. Um, it's hard to get in. It's hard to get a break. You've got to maintain the standard of what you're doing when you, if you're lucky enough to get a break. You know, it's not it's not like people think. You know, once you get one gig, that's it. You're set for life. Like you said earlier, you know, you got to hustle completely. You know, I, I mean, I'm um, primarily working portraiture and um, comic books. You know, I do comic book art as well, and that is tough. You know, there's so many good artists out there. You know, oh you, yeah. I sometimes I feel like just quitting all social media because you'll do something and i don't know about you but i I mean i generally hate everything i do you know it'll have a life cycle of i'll start off with a with a concept and it'll be like this is okay maybe halfway through i'm thinking oh it's got potential by the end of it i'm like no i don't want to see it ever again yeah and then you'll go on to like instagram and the the first three things you see you're like oh shit yeah you know (laughs) and it's incredible But I think we're all, to a degree, regardless of what level you're at, even someone like yourself, all the way down, I think we all suffer from that um, little bit of imposter syndrome where you think, I need to be better, I need to be better, there's somebody out there that'll be better than me. So I completely get what you're saying. It's just fascinating to hear somebody who, you know, I would look at as being potentially, you know, and I've said it again, I make no apologies, you know, one of the greatest sort of, artists and illustrators today you know you really are and for you to say you know oh the next one's got to be better the next one's going you know i'm thinking jesus christ how, how good's it got to get <laughs> well i'm <laughs> you know? i'm just being straight up man like i i i'm very I, i'm the same way though like i you know i would say most of the work that i do i i'm I, i'm i don't have much time usually a lot of deadlines are really crazy and so you don't have as much time you don't have like the privilege of just taking stepping back a little bit and just thinking about things and oh maybe i should do this and that you just have to like bam 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 like knock it out you know in fact i I kind of set myself up like okay i'm gonna give myself three hours to paint the head one hour to paint the hands or whatever it is like i have to break it down otherwise i I won't make the deadline on time so for those things you know they get published and i and i try to do the best i can and i feel like proud of myself okay i i I know i did a, a professional that's how I kind of think about it. Like, okay, this is a professional piece. Um, yeah. I'm I'm proud to have my name on that one. I know it could be better, but I also understand the situation. And fuck anyone else who says anything else. They don't know what it's like. So, because yeah. it's easy to get in your head about things. And so, mm. uh, but I do look back and see some of those pieces and I'm like, damn, I wish I had more time. Like, like I did a cover of Trump uh, and Pelosi for Time Magazine. Yes. And um, yeah. I, I was... I, I I really didn't have as much time as I would have liked for a cover for time. Like, 
you know, with for time, like it's it's a it's a huge magazine that everyone's gonna see, and I really want it to be the best. Not that I don't want like something for the Washington Examiner or New York Observer or something like that. Of course, I want those to be good as well. But yeah, this is like different, different level. But they're giving me like the same amount of time, <laughs> and so it, it's 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 a little bit more stressful because I, I want it to be. You know, there's some amazing illustrators doing time covers, and and I know that you know again you get into your head like I, you know people are going to be comparing me to this guy and whatever and all this kind of stuff and and so for something like that I just do the best that I possibly can and then it, then all of a sudden it's published and I remember with that piece I was so annoyed because I saved the little tweet birds till the end um, and all of a sudden there was like I think an hour and a half left and I hadn't really finish the tweet birds and wow. i'm like god damn i gotta like <laughs> do I, I what i what i really what i envisioned for those tweet birds if you know if anyone cares um uh, but uh, are you familiar with the angry birds video game yeah like yeah. like i wanted to kind of make them more yeah. like <laughs> like caricatured and fun tweets um something that would be more interesting but it got down to the to the line and i i just was like i gotta just you know do this as quick as possible and it was mm. so there's things like that where i i look at those covers and i'm like ah you know and also to be honest um i originally had done donald trump for that a way differently as well right and they it was too much for them and <laughs> and they they didn't want to they didn't want to i mean everyone knows that the time magazine's mostly left-leaning but they still mm. want to seem like they're you know kind of in the middle on things yeah yeah, yeah. so but my original Trump, he was like m- much more like a blobby toad, and and I I was thinking, oh, this is going to be great because I know he's going to see it, and I was getting all excited, like yes, this is going to be so cool, man, because Time hardly ever uses caricature for their covers. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, this I cannot believe I'm doing a caricature cover for Time. This is so awesome. Uh, I was more excited about that than when I painted the Pope for Time magazine. So I was just like, mm. this is great. But then we had to do ended up, you know, pulling exaggeration way way back. Um, and, and also on Nancy Pelosi, I had to like, she's just like a skull with a thin layer of skin on her face. <laughs> so like I, but I, they're like, yeah, let's, let's make her look a little bit more alive. Um, so, <laughs> so, but it's, you know, I think you always try to get away with much as possible and, yeah. and then you, you know, they kind of pull back a little bit, but, but there's, there's plenty of covers and artwork that I do that I feel happy about, but then I see it later and I just, ugh. But like, there's a handful of my work that I look at, and I'm like, that one, I'm like that, like the time cover I recently did, just uh, for Time Person of the Year, is exactly 100% how I saw it in my head, and yeah. it turned out exactly how I wanted it to be, and I'm very happy with that piece. It's a beautiful um, piece. Thank you. But no, it doesn't it, always I mean, work a... that way, though. <laughs> no, and and again, you the thing I love about your work and. As I say, you know, if anybody's not seen your work, then, you know, shame on you. You know, what, what do you do? Live in a bloody ditch or something. It's like, you know, it's incredible because it's not only on the face of it. It's a bit like, do it reminds me of? It reminds me a bit of Chuck Close in the sense of, you know, you stand back from a Chuck Close and you see these beautiful images, beautiful portraits. And the closer you get to them, the more you see the form and the structure and then you see the abstract marks that make up that painting. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. That's what I see with your work is that 
that beautiful, you know, the particularly the Biden Harris one. If you look at the breakdown and the way that you you constructed that and painted that, it's a true traditional painting, you know, and 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 we'll come on to physical versus digital later, but you've just got this beautiful style that does everything that I'd like to do as a painter. And I, I struggle with digital to still get that, that kind of natural painterly feel to it. And you, you nailed it with that, mate. It was an absolutely stunning piece. I just loved it. And, and especially with it being a straight portrait as well, you know, it was just, it was just a beautiful portrait. Brilliant. Thank you. That it was a little bit nerve wracking because, um, they, uh, the the Biden was a little bit nerve wracking just because all the references he sent me were with Biden with his mouth open, and yeah. they wanted his mouth closed, and that was the main thing. Is is it gonna look natural? <laughs> like, yeah. so I kind of had to make up how his mouth would look. Um, but it actually, once I started working on it, I was like, oh, this looks fine. Okay, so I mean, that was like the only thing I was really worried about um, was because mm. that. I mean, when you're doing caricature, you can get away with way more. Um, where, you know, I can open and close someone's mouth and whatever, but like when it's supposed to be realistic, the, the, you know, we, we know what, what we look like as humans. Yeah. And so like, yeah. if something is just slightly off, it, it's really noticeable. And so mm. uh, those kind of things will make me a little nervous when you're kind of playing around. Like, it's almost like being a plastic surgeon or something. Mm. Um, but I mean, I, I, I was like really happy with it. So that, you know that it's only happened a few times. Like I did a um, a Lil Wayne uh, years ago for Rolling Stone. It was like my first piece for them, and yep. that's that's another example of a piece that I'm like, okay, that's exactly like what I wanted it to be. Um, but in all seriousness, though, that is really rare. Like it's. I mean, I think it doesn't matter who the artist is. I think all artists kind of work this way. But you know, you you kind of envision in your head like um what you're doing and you you have like an idea and a hope for the direction and and yeah. sometimes you know an art director they come in or the editor and they they totally change it and it's kind of disheartening and frustrating because you knew that you you were going to have something way better if you could have just done your thing and now you're doing like a sort of a generic version of what it could have been and other times mm-hmm. art directors come in and they make the idea even way better than what it was going to be. And, and it's, it's one of those things where it's every job is kind of like a, an adventure of sorts, you know, like I'm working on a book cover right now. That's really strange for me, the style. It's not, it's not at all what I wanted it to do, wanted it to be. And Mm. it's going to weird people out when they see it because it's not, you know, like it's um, there's a book called count zero from the eighties that basically inspired the matrix movies. Um, and I, I'm, they're redoing like a, like a republishing, like, like a, I think 500 to a thousand copies. It's like a special reissue, like leather bound thing or something. And so Mm -hmm. they're, they're hiring a bunch of artists to paint, to do different covers. And and so I'm doing this, it's a full wraparound cover with the back and everything. And then, uh, four paintings inside the book. So it's going to be cool. I'm excited about it. Wow. But yeah. that my original idea for the cover, um, which I still really like a lot, was just it's gonna it was very fantasy looking, um, and it was like a, a guy screaming with his hands up to his head, and 
this nude woman floating behind him with this bright light. And it's it's it, it, if you read the book, you would get where this is coming from. But it, I was like, this is going to be a really cool image. Mm-hmm. And and then also, the, you know, the movie Brazil. Yeah. So I, I had like this idea of like that the aesthetic of Brazil, like I was going to paint it kind of like that kind of a feeling, like kind of futuristic, but grimy and sort of weird. Um, and they hated it. <laughs> they hated it, and they're like, "No, this is nothing like what we want to do." And then they they got back to me with this idea that instead is uh, full on like conceptual, and the imagery is 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 more like symbol some uh, symbolic and right. Um, it's just not at all how I was going to approach or how I would think. So now I'm doing this piece that's almost Salvador Dali-like, weird, trippy. I like it. It's it's really mm. pushing me, and and it looks nothing like anything anyone's ever seen me do before. Wow. But it'll be cool. So, so you know, from job to job, you just kind of sometimes you just got to go with the flow, and um, and I like when when something's different like this. Because it helps yeah. me to, it, I learn more things. You know, I put, I, I put more tools in my toolbox, and I uh, challenge myself. Like right now, I'm, I'm looking at my mock, and I'm like, this is gonna be a son of a bitch to paint this, because <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Like I gotta paint like circuit boards and shit, and like, oh Jesus, like uh, I, I came up with this idea of like a cracked desert, and like, oh, that's gonna be fun to paint. <laughs> um, yeah, but it looks cool. Like it's gonna look cool, but it's gonna be terrible to work on. I know what you mean. You you come up with these ideas, and you, I mean, I I've done a couple of self-published comics, which are basically sci-fi wrestling comics. And I thought sci-fi, love sci-fi, love wrestling. What could go wrong? <laughs> and then you realize about all the crowd scenes, and you're like, shit. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you kind of think, yeah, exactly. Should have thought this one through. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's good to push yourself out of your com your comfort zone, though, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah, and and the funny thing is, is sometimes you just like like with this one, I'm like, I'm gonna add this and this, and it's gonna be really cool, and I just want to get the the art director to approve it so I can get painting, and maybe if I add this and this and this, they'll really like it, and then I can get going, and then I'm like, shit, I just gave myself way more work. <laughs> so great. Have you got a decent timeline for that, though, or is it? It's not one because you you turn work out ridiculously quick well yeah th- this one is um it seems like they're giving me quite a bit of time um mm. it I, I i'm i'm hoping that the inside illustrations aren't going to be as insane as the, the front and the back thing um uh, but there <laughs> it's going to be still it's I, I think i have until next fall to be honest right um from what i was told but uh, i am st- I'm, I'm supposed to start a really huge project I'm waiting for the deal to go through, um, and um, basically, I'm supposed to start in March um, a huge, huge project for some company, and I'll be doing a lot of paintings. Cool. So, I'm kind of right now. I'm just working on this book thing, waiting for the other thing to go through, and yeah, um, yeah. And it's it's and it's like I said, it's really strange because like I don't think if I think if people saw what I'm working on right now, they would have no idea that I did it. Like. Mm. <laughs> But I think it looks pretty cool. Brilliant. I'll look forward to it. It sounds really interesting. And I don't mean that in a kind of, oh, that's interesting. I mean, genuinely, 
you know, I love it when you see people that you're familiar with a particular style or approach and they just give you something completely different. You know, I find that fascinating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's good stuff, man. So just kind of going back to your, if we dare say your bread and butter stuff, which is your, you know, your portraiture, your caricature stuff. What's it like being in that world of caricature artists? Cause I know you're, you're a member of, um, ISCA, you know, which, and we recently watched, the wife and I watched, was it American caricature? You know, the documentary about the, uh, the, the, the awards, the golden nosy awards. And oh stuff. yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was great. You know, it was great fun. Um, but what what's it like in that kind of world of, of caricature artists? Is it a very open and sharing community, or you know, because comics is kind of like that, where you generally find that everyone's willing to help everybody else out. So I just wonder what it's like in in the character. It looked like a really close knit community. You know, it looked like a really fun gang to be in. Yeah, no, it it's I, I don't think the people like we everyone that gets involved with that it really is, is mostly about encouraging each other and pushing each other. And, you know, like I'm, I'm not afraid or worried to like share my techniques with anybody because I mean, no one's going to be able to do it the way I do it. It's, you know, and I'm not going to be able to do something how someone else does it. It's like, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm not worried about that. I, I think it's kind of funny when certain artists are like that. It's like, it's like, come on, dude. Like, and, and, and the other thing is, is like, it's it's such a competitive world already um and you know i i i just feel like why not help when you can um mm. with with people you know and, and so i i personally am all about that but um the caricature convention and group is is really cool um because it's it's something that is um it's like Basically, when there's the, there's the annual convention and and it's it's people from all over the world show up at this thing and it's um, it is all about caricature and some people think might think oh you know like they see silly caricatures at some fair or whatever and, and mm. they have like a weird idea of what they think caricature is but it's not like that it's a bunch of artists that are seriously talented who mm. are very serious about what they do and they they push each other and they challenge each other. And every artist gets a wall space, and they they get a space where they can hang up their work during the week, and everyone draws and paints each other, and you have to do all the work in the the one room in order for it to count, and you just spend days in there drawing and painting and yeah. trying to push yourself, and then there's all these awards like exaggeration, color, uh, black and white, you know, whatever. There's like there's all different kinds of categories, and then at the very end there's like this almost like an Oscars like uh, award ceremony type thing where everyone dresses up nice and they go and there's a banquet and then they, they do like an award ceremony. And at the, like at the end um, there's, there's like a, you get, there's all these different trophies and things people can win, but at the very end there's, they, they call it the gold nosy. And if you win, <laughs> you get this giant gold nose statue. Um, I got one um, and it's awesome. Cause it weighs like a million pounds. That's a big gold <laughs> nose. And, uh, it's just I have it. I'm looking at it right now. It's just this huge nose. Fantastic. But um, it's just a lot of fun, and it's it's just you know, it's it, like I said, it's everyone's really encouraging, and um, you walk around and you see what people are working on, and it gives you ideas, and and some people get inspired because they see someone working in oils and they've never done it before, so they run to an art yeah. store and get oils and they try, um, and you know, 
it's a lot of fun. Uh, last this year we couldn't do it because mm. of um, you know the whole thingy going on, but uh, mm. we they did like an online version and um, I was able to to compete um, and hang out with everybody. So I did about four or five paintings, um, and they had Discord set up so all the artists could hang out and talk and and um, it, so we, we it still felt like a convention. It was really fun. Um, hmm. but yeah, it's, it's really just, um, like I, I encourage anybody that's interested to, to join and check it out. It's, it's called ISCA, International Society of Caricature Artists. And, um, I mean, yeah, there's like artists like me who are like illustrators. There's like my, one of my best buddies, Joe Bloom. He's like a, he's done everything. I mean, he's won an Oscar for animation and character design. He's done children's books. Um, I mean, tons of stuff. He works, he does a lot of animation now for commercials mm-hmm. and stuff. But um, he'll be there drawing and painting people. Um, and there's just all kinds of different artists from all different levels, different styles. And you know, you you just hang out, have a good time. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, and it it genuinely is international as well, isn't it? Because yeah. um, you know, we were. I was. I mean, I was amazed in the documentary, like the whole range of countries. That, we're representing uh, at this this kind of convention. It was it was incredible. You know, there's a lot of um, you know Far East illustrators over there. Oh yeah, you know from from Japan and th- and you're thinking, wow, you know, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. And yeah. it, it just looks so interesting. You know, people creating uh, 3D caricatures. Oh yeah, and stuff. It's like it's just it's mind blowing how original people can be, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's really cool, man. There there's there was this one guy. And by the way, um, the Japanese artists that come to this thing are insane how good they are. <laughs> like, they, they'll come and, and, like, they are focused, man. They, yeah. they, they come, I mean, they, they, I think they, the guy that, um, Kage, he's, he's an amazing artist. Um, but he's the, 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 the leader of this. He runs this company in Tokyo, it's a caricature company. And right. I think every year he chooses his best artists, whoever, whatever one of his, of his best artists, um, you know, did the best that year or whatever it is. I don't know exactly how he does it, but he chooses which artists go to the convention every year. Um, it's it's wow. almost like the, the Olympics or something, how he does it. Yeah. And so they they want to come and win. The, the Japanese, mm-hmm. they take it serious, man. So they show up and they are there to compete, man. They don't goof around. They stay they get too busy right away and they just fill up their walls and their work is just mind blowingly like levels above so many people. They like, they're the mm-hmm. ones that you have to really worry about is if you, if you're serious about competing, watch out because they, they are amazing, man. Um, I, I just get blown away every time. Yeah. And, uh, and they're so, so sweet and nice. Everyone's so friendly and, and some of these people won't even leave. Like you, you yeah. go there three, four in the morning. They're still out there drawing and painting, yeah. and um, they're just so serious about it. And it's just great. And uh, there was this one guy, and I cannot remember his name. I think it was in 2015. Was one of the last times I was there, but he was doing these three dimensional paper caricatures. I don't know how he did it, but they were like literally, like he would cut paper in like geometric shapes and form it together and it would be like a three-dimensional sculpt of a person's face but everything's coming out at you and it was so perfect and so brilliant i i 
right away I was like, this dude is winning like all the awards because it was just so mm-hmm. mind blowing. Um, but that's the cool thing because like in my world, like a lot of the stuff that we we get away with doing at the caricature convention, I can't do in my professional work. Yeah, and so for me, um, like like the last time I went, I I just chilled with my friends and I did some, I mostly just did some sketches, and it was really just a fun time. It was in Memphis, and it was just a fun time for my wife and I to to go for a road trip and just, and then to see some of my friends. And I didn't really get serious about competing at all. I just was like, I'm just gonna have fun and just doodle mm. and, and relax. And I, I basically just did one piece that I really liked, and then the rest I was just kind of having fun, just sketching. Um, that this year, the online thing, um, I decided I was gonna take part of it, and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna actually go for it this year and really have fun and it's like and try to push myself because i don't get to do i don't get to do really super exaggerated stuff and anymore not as much as i would like to so i basically challenged myself to hey let's 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 bring back some old school jason seiler and (laughs) and like mess up some people you know so that that's kind of what i did and i had so much fun man like i i was my my point was like I want to do drawings that will make people laugh when they see them. That's kind of what I was trying to do, and and I think it, I think I, I did it. So it was it was a lot of fun, and and I think it's therapeutic as well. <laughs> mm. It makes you just feel like ah, I feel good. You know, it was fun. It was fun to to use those muscles. You know, yeah. So no, it's, yeah, it's I brilliant. I plan on going next year. It's it's going to be in Vegas, wow. and um, I'm planning on. If I go next year, I, I think I'm what I want to do is uh, maybe one or two traditional paintings, and so I want to actually do like like an oil or an acrylic. Uh, but also, I'm planning on doing stand up comedy in Vegas, so it, it's gonna be it's like that's part of the reason I'm like I'm I want to go, and I also want to do some comedy because um, Brad Garrett um, was a recent guest on my podcast, yeah, and he invited me um, to to perform at his at his. Uh, comedy club in vegas so fantastic so that's definitely something i'm going to take him up on um so yeah that, that'll be awesome you know yeah really yeah cool. i mean I've, I've never been able to do um caricatures i've tried and and i've I, I don't know i just don't have that ability to you know when you say like you see things in shapes and you start to work out exactly which bits you should be kind of exaggerating and where but keeping the the lights i can't do that I just don't, my mind doesn't work that way. And I really struggle and I'm determined I'm going to get better. But it's just, I watch people sit down and draw these kind of sketches, getting like your sketches. I'm just thinking, Jesus, how did you know where to, where to pull from? You know, and hmm. yeah, it's, it's practice, isn't it? And it's experience, but I just be yeah. walking around that, that convention i wouldn't draw anything i'd just be walking around looking at the walls going fucking hell you know (laughs) i feel the same way in a way because like some of those guys um like i i'm not like i know i know what i am now i know what i do and what i want to do and how to do it like and i know that it's the super extreme exaggeration is not really my thing um i i like i'm the kind of person that i feel like in what I want to do is I want to try to draw someone where if you were to, you you could take one of my drawings and you could animate it. Like you could turn my head in any direction and it would work. Yeah. 
Um, so even if I exaggerate, like, and I push really far, I still want it to be workable. I want, you know, like some people they'll just they'll exaggerate one side of the cheek like super super far, and it almost looks like a blade coming off the paper, but the other cheek doesn't look like that. It's like that just looks like someone's face is dripping off. Like, mm. uh, but it works for them, and they're mm. that, and so people have like their different approaches or styles or techniques with caricature. Um, so I get what you're saying. Cause like there, I'll, I'll walk around the convention and I'll see someone who blew someone's face, just so crazy and weird direction. Um, I never would have thought about that, but it still looks just like them. Like that, yeah. that's great. And sometimes it looks nothing like them and it's a disaster. Um, but that's, that's kind of like the, the chance you take sometimes, you know, you try to push it. Um, although I would just say, uh, once you work that out in your sketchbook, if it doesn't work, <laughs> don't take, don't take, don't spend the time rendering it. If it looks like shit, that's, that's the way I would say, um, like, wow, you spent a long time rendering something that looks nothing like the person. It's um, the lost art of, um, draftsmanship though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's the same again, again, just, you know, touching back on kind of things like comics, you know, I mean, a lot of the time you see some great work, but you just think, if if people just spend a bit more time on the basics of kind of uh, anatomy and and lighting and things like that it would it would take it from being okay to being superb you know and mm, i think yeah. i don't know i don't know, I don't know your sense because we're we're about the same age actually i think you're a couple of years younger than me but um it used to be when i was growing up and i was interested in art it was drilled into us all about you know you've got to be good at the basics you've got to be good at you know, understanding form and, and weight and things like that. And I'm not sure that that happens as much now. You know, I think maybe, I don't know whether art's taught differently or whatever, but I, I see a lot of younger artists who, they don't have that underlying structure to the work. And I think without that, it must be really difficult to exaggerate things and keep that, that realism. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean... It's, you know, like, like what you were saying before about how um, you 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 have a hard time like knowing where to go with it with as yeah. far as caricature, like the, the 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 way I teach it is I try to like I try to help people to understand that caricature. So caricature is all about exaggeration. It's not distortion. Although mm. some artists do use distortion and they're they're successful with it. But distortion is the complete denial of truth. That's the definition of distortion. Right. Exaggeration is pushing the truth, and um, and it, it's like being a comic, like a like a comedian. You know, like you're, you, there's there's something that's true that happened, um, and you're going to tell a story. Well, how can you make it funnier? You exaggerate it. You, you know, you add little things or whatever. So it can be a certain amount, or it can be a lot. And when it comes to drawing a person's fa- face. Um, you know, I, I always tell people to, to look for the weight. Um, like, like, and what I mean by that is like, does it, do they have like a, a heavy chin? Like the, the face has like, um, uh, pull and, 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 and it pushes and it pulls in different directions. Mm. And, and for every, when you're, when you're caricaturing someone for every action that you make, there's going to be a reaction for every, so like, you don't just exaggerate someone's nose, you know, the, yeah. every single feature on the face um, is going to be exaggerated and every single choice you make is going to affect 
surrounding features. So it's it's like playing chess or something. You've got to <laughs> think a few steps ahead. Mm. And like, so, so typically, if someone's got like a shorter forehead or smaller, like like the space from their brow to the top of their head doesn't seem all that great, they're probably going to have a heavier chin. Um, so you look for things like that. That's not always the case. But mm. if someone has a really big chin, that's really where the weight is. You don't want to like give that person a huge forehead as well because what you're going to do is you're going to be taking away from the attention from the chin. Um, but you don't want it to just be about the chin. So, you you know, you're obviously going to be pushing the other features like the nose, the mouth, and everything else. But that's the first thing I think of is the overall shape, the silhouette of the head. Mm. Um, is it a wide head, a thin head? If someone's got barely has a chin, they might – they might have a pretty long, taller forehead, and so you can kind of like balance things out that way. You know, and basically, what you're I, there's like I call it the interface. Like, where is the interface going to lie within that head? Like the eyes, nose, and mouth. Are they going to be up higher, uh, making the the forehead smaller and the chin heavier, or are you going to move that interface down, less giving it less of a chin and more of a forehead? Mm. You, you know, does that mm. make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so. Then, then it's all about the features. Like, are the eyes big? Are they small? Are they close together? Um, is the nose small? Is it big? Um, you know, and sometimes a person's nose isn't that big, but it looks big because the mouth is so small. So you can exaggerate by making the mouth extra small. You know, you know what I mean. So there's yeah. there's a lot of different things to it, but um, the the key thing. This is why I made that joke about maybe don't spend, uh, you know, five hours rendering something when the drawing was terrible. Like, <laughs> get, make sure the drawing's good first. Yeah. And 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 that. So the one thing that I'm really, I really encourage my students to do, um, is really get in the habit of doing thumbnail sketching. Yeah. And that's something that I try to do. Like, if if I'm doing a, a job, uh, like um. I haven't done too many Bidens yet, but I, I imagine I'm going to do some caricatures of Biden. <laughs> and so I'm not as familiar. Like, like Trump is easy. Like, I could draw Trump with my eyes closed. But, like, Biden has a lot of characteristics that are, you know, are pretty obvious. But um, I would probably want to experiment and do a bunch of little thumbnails. And what that means is, is I just really quickly, I just do these light drawings that are just shapes. Yeah. And, and really not even too much detail at all. It's just like pushing the form and the shape and just trying to see what I can do creatively to make it interesting. And I try to go for like an interesting silhouette. Um, like I want, I want it to be recognizable immediately. Mm -hmm. And, and those drawings, you don't have to ever show anybody. They're just, they're just like taking notes basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of people, they just want to jump in right away and, and they just, they start drawing and they fall in love with their drawing and they they don't want to erase things. They don't want to change things. And, and they just get stuck doing a crappy drawing. Um, so I, I really, a lot of my work, I, I try not to, to care too much about it. Like if I have to start over, I can start over without mm. worrying about it. Um, and it's really, really important that before you commit to, to something, that you have a strong drawing first. And there, there's there's a lot of steps that people miss. Like when I teach, 
people want to start doing pa- colored paintings right away. They want to start painting in color. And it's like, you don't have a right to paint in color yet because <laughs> you don't understand values. Yeah. You can't, like, and so I, I try to tell them, I, I've even told students, I know the, the rest of the assignments are in color, but you're going to do black and white. That's it because you're not going to do color. Like, don't even hand me the color stuff because I'm not going to look at it. And then, you know, some people, they just want to do painting, but their drawings aren't, aren't there. So, like, they'll, they'll hand an assignment that's all about color or values or whatever. And I I just ignore it altogether and say, hey, we're, I'm just going to talk about drawing because your drawing is <laughs> just way off. And and then they'll, they'll look, sometimes they'll get upset and they'll be like, hey, you didn't say anything about the values. And it's like, well, we don't care about values right now, do we? Mm. Like, you shouldn't care about it. Like, you got to focus on, like, dude, your shoes do not have shoelaces. They're going to fall off, okay? <laughs> you got to focus on getting shoelaces, okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't run in a marathon yet. So, mm. but I think I think if you can break things down that way, then you, you know, I mean, I guess that's, that's how I think about it. Like, I try to break things down. Um, and maybe it's, I'm a little bit of an organized OCD person that way, I think. Um, even when I paint, I'm a very clean palette, <laughs> but it helps me to not go crazy, you know? Yeah. It's Well, interestingly enough, the, the next question I was going to ask you was a bit more about your process because, um, I mean, you're, and again, here we go. It's the, it's the, we love Jason bit of the show, but your paintings, both physically and digitally are spectacular. And the thing I love about them as well is that there's very little difference in the technique between them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would imagine people probably looked at the Biden-Harris piece and thought it was a traditional painting, you know, and would be possibly surprised to find out it was digital. And then watching the way I I was watching the interview where you were talking through um, how you constructed it and the fact that, you know, you, you paint it almost step for step as you would with a physical painting, you know, with an underpainting and... All that kind of stuff, you know, and it's it's something that I think um, really shows a mastery of of the ability to paint. You know, would you agree that maybe if you can paint physically, and you understand that you can paint digitally with a bit of practice once you get used to the the tablet, and because it is weird when you first start, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I, it's funny because I get asked that all the time. Um, like, is it hard to paint to go from traditional to digital it's really not i mean it's i mean I, I think if you're not used to drawing digitally or painting digitally or how you know like maybe maybe there's a learning curve with the program yeah but i keep it really really simple i pretty much just use the paintbrush tool and a race tool and i do i use layers every once in a while um but i, I like to keep things on as little layers as possible yeah. um but it's just really about painting and once I'm in the zone, it doesn't matter really. It's the same thing. Mm. Um, I, I think about it the exact same way. So, um, the you know, you know, it's it's funny that you said that about the Biden piece because I I felt the same way that it, it like I was really happy with the brushwork and felt that this is obviously a painting. And when you see the actual cover in person, it looks you can see the brushwork. Yeah, but I was surprised how many people didn't realize it was a painting and said, "Oh, I thought that was a photograph." And it's like, gosh, I, I even tried extra hard to like to to like <laughs> I was super loose with a lot of it, and um, yeah. but 
the the difference between the traditional and the, the, the digital is, I mean, and by the way, thank you because I, I I don't want people to like I love it when people can't tell, and 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 then some people are like, well, or why are you working digitally if you're trying so hard to make it look traditionally? And it's like, well, it's not that I'm trying to make it look di- traditionally. It's that I am a traditionally trained painter yep. and artist. I've, I've that's all. I, I and so I taught myself how to paint digitally. And it was important that I didn't lose my voice. Mm-hmm. Like I want it to look like my work, regardless of whether or not I'm doing traditional or, you know, or digital. And and so it's not that I'm trying to make it look tr- traditional when I'm working digitally. I'm just trying to make it feel like something I painted. That's your process, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and 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 also that the thing is, is I'm I'm doing the same thing mentally and physically like yep. i'm thinking about st- strong drawing and and values and edges and, and temperature and all these different things there's nothing different except for the fact that i can work faster digitally um i can make changes way quicker and you know and and you know i i have a lot of respect for illustrators out there who are still working traditionally for publications there's a lot of uh, awesome guys out there doing it mm. but I personally think they're insane, like because the deadlines are crazy. Mm. Like they're just they they don't pay enough, um, and they're 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 they you know they want they demand so much they want changes they want all these things and and there's no way I'm doing an oil painting for you. There's no mm. way mm. if you if you want an oil painting for me, you're gonna pay a lot of money, and I'm gonna take as much time as I need to do it. Yeah. And when it you're gonna get a really nice like. Um, the best painting that I could do, you're going to have like an oil painting. But for for uh, editorial work and illustration work, I'm gonna I'm not I'm gonna do everything I can to eliminate as much stress as possible, and also do what's right for the money. Um, you know, and I'm sorry, but like two days for an oil painting for a cover of a magazine is just not realistic. Yeah. Um, I mean, not for me. Other artists, if you good for you <laughs> like that's great like i i mean i know like there's a few artists i know like tim o'brien is an awesome illustrator and he i'm like dude i don't know how he does it so fast but <laughs> it's he's awesome and he does great work and but i i i can get the exact same result painting digitally with half the stress so why would i yeah. you know it doesn't make any sense um so for me the digital painting is just a tool you know, to get my work done. But when it all comes down to it, I'm just a painter and an art. Like I, like I, I really look at digital painting as just a tool. Yep. Um, and I, I really enjoy it a lot. Like I, I love sketching on the iPad as well. I like to be able to, to just take that anywhere I want and just sketch. And, and I don't think of it. I don't even think about the fact that I'm doing digital. Like it's no. just funny. Like when I, when I share a sketch, to me, it's just a sketch. It's all it is. It's, it, it it could be on paper or whatever, but I haven't sketched in my sketchbooks for a long time. Yeah. Um. Because it, it, why I don't care. I mean, I I guess some people like they would want to buy original sketches, and I actually thought decided recently I'm going to start doing some of those and just um you know maybe I can sell like little sketches or whatever. Yeah. But like yeah. um, but really it's like before I used to have to sketch my sketches, scan them in. Um, and then I would get the, the sketch approved and then I would, you know, start painting in Photoshop on top of my sketch. Mm. But now 
I just eliminate that whole process. It saves me a bunch of time. I just sketch on my iPad or sketch on my Cintiq and email it. They approve it. I start painting. You know, so it really it's just about what you know what works for you. Like CF Payne mm-hmm. still t- does everything traditionally, and and he's awesome. And but, but he's got he's got to have a huge scanner. He's got to have all these things and like. Some of these illustrators have to have professional camera setups to photograph their work. I don't have any of that stuff. No, God no. Um, yeah, so um, <laughs> trying to photograph your works, fucking oh, minefield, isn't it? I mean, I, I hate it. I know, really hate it. It's just, I, I don't know. I mean, I've tried everything to try and get you know some. I've got some old paintings I did from because I, I didn't paint for about twenty years. I just stopped painting completely. Um, basically, just life got in the way, you know, and you you kind of just oh, yeah. down tools and then. I started about, um, must have been about nine years ago. And my wife was teaching a community class at the time. Every Saturday she'd run a community art class um, for free just to get people in and, you know, and give them something to do. And she'd teach them how to draw and paint and stuff. And she went, oh, come on, let's let's do some drawing. And that's what got me back into it. And right. I ended up finding that I could actually paint quite quickly. I'd, I'd not lost that ability to paint. Yeah. But can I take pictures of them? They, they look absolutely horse shit on every photograph i take oh, i know just, the colors are bad and it's like you know no matter what i do we've got a decent camera we've got you know we've tried different lighting setups just cannot do it and the thought of trying to photograph artwork in in a way that you could then you know say this is a really good representation of the, of the tone the values the colors everything in there it just fills me with absolute dread to be honest, oh, yeah. like, how people do it? No, for sure. Like I, I've had like work that I've done where um, I, I'm I'm so excited about how the painting looks, and I and the client wants to see how it's looking, and I'm like, man, this is like really kill. This is looking awesome, and then I I go to try to take pictures of it, and every picture just looks like yeah. shit, and it's like, and I have to explain to them. Trust me, it looks way better <laughs> yeah. in person. <laughs> it's, it's terrible isn't it and it's i mean i don't know yeah. about you but um what you were saying before was interesting about the fact that you don't see working digitally in, in air quotes do you know what i mean as as a thing it's just a medium you know it's like saying well i work in watercolor or acrylic or oil or digital it's the same yeah. thing to me it's all just like you were alluding to before it's just a material that's there for us to use but do you exactly. still find yeah. that there's a stigma with digital work over physical work? Because I, I get this a lot where I'll, you know, I'll put up a, a kind of painting a portrait or something and I'll get, you know, a few people messaging me going, oh, this is great. You know, is it for sale? And I'll go, well, it's it's actually a digital portrait. And then it's like, oh, right, that's a shame. And you're like, what the fuck's that mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I have, yeah, I get that sometimes. But I just, I mean, it's really strange. I just did a piece recently um for a political magazine and it was like a, a, a donald trump and uh rudy giuliani and rush limbaugh and a bunch of different people in it and good hell man and it, it, <laughs> yeah yeah and they but even but the magazine like i thought they understood what i was doing I, but the actual magazine was like hey um that this turned out really amazing it's got like six characters in it i mm. think um uh, with all these details and stuff it was a killer piece like as far as details and they they were like we, we'd like to uh we're interested in buying the original from you i'm like well, it, it's a 
It's a digital painting. Like, and they're like, oh, we thought this was a... a I'm like, well, because it looks like it, because that's how yeah. I paint. But um, mm. it's... Yeah, it's not, so... <laughs> And I said you can buy. I you, you I can sell you prints of it or something. Uh, but it's just funny how they get a little disappointed. But you know, back in the day when I was first getting started, I um, I I was mostly my my original technique was acrylic, mm. uh, and that's that's I, I taught myself how to paint. And I first started off with watercolors because it it seemed, um, it's it's funny. Watercolor seems to be everyone's like they. They're afraid of it. It's like the hardest medium for me. Watercolor is one of the easiest. Yeah. And, and I really love painting with watercolor. And I feel like I, cause I, my approach with watercolor is very, very light, very thin. And I just build up and build up and build up. There's no way I can make a mistake mm. because I'm painting very cautiously and very thin. And I just, I, I don't just put darks down. I build my darks yeah. up. And there's like this nice transparency. And I think it's beautiful. I like how watercolor can do that. Um but it it takes my technique is a slow technique. It's not a fast technique. But then eventually I started teaching myself how to paint with acrylics, and I started introducing white and started painting more opaque. And that was scary at first because I had no idea. And but once I started figuring it out, I started becoming more bold with my painting, and and everything was acrylics. And I did acrylics for years, mm. and and I and and the first my first um time i finally got accepted into the society of illustrators show was an acrylic painting i did of tom york and i went to the show and it was awesome to see my painting in, in you know in the show in new york with all these um, awesome illustrators and and um it was a really cool experience and then i think that that next year is when i switched to digital for all my publication work and the, the switch was basically because um, I, I was getting so stressed out with deadlines and a buddy of mine was like, dude, you should try digital painting. And I said, no, that's, that's not real painting. I just, I did not like digital painting and I, and I, I didn't like most digital painting I saw. I thought a lot of it looked yeah. terrible or as y'all would say, it looks like rubbish. <laughs> uh, this is rubbish. Shite uh, where I'm from. <laughs> looks like shit. Looks like, looks like shite. Um, it's complete shite, mate. Um, and, uh, so basically, I uh, I just I I decided to try it, and I, I bought myself like this this at the time um I don't even know if Wacom makes them anymore, but it was like this it, I think it was called a Graphire tablet, and it was a small little tablet for like a hundred and ten bucks I got at a store, and it was just crappy. Mm. Uh, it was it was not very good, but I actually used it for years until it just wore down to nothing before I upgraded but I did tons of illustration work on that little thing um, but I just started messing with it and I was like oh wow I actually can paint in this and I just kept Photoshop very very simple and the funny thing was is I had a very old version of Photoshop for years and years and years and I never upgraded I never changed anything it was the Photoshop that I had like back from back from like 2004 or something mm. like that and i remember when i did after i did the pope for time magazine i got interviewed by all these people and um adobe came to my house and interviewed me they did like a small do a documentary about me and when i opened up my photoshop they were like what the hell are you using 
Like that is that that's like the first Photoshop. That that's like T Rex Photoshop. <laughs> and um I was like it it yeah, but I mean that's what I use. I mean I'm just painting. Like and they're like, Yeah, but you don't have any of this I don't need any of those yeah. things. I just need to paint. Um and then they gave me free Photoshop for a year. And uh so I, I was like, Oh it actually is a lot slicker and nicer, but um so I just always kept it you know, as, as simple and practical as possible. But when my point is back to the acrylic thing is I started getting my work accepted into society illustrators again. Um, again, this, I think this is like 2005 or six maybe. And I would go, I'd get my work, you know, printed and framed really nice and send it there. And then I'd go to the show and, and, and people were like, Oh, great piece and everything. And then I, they saw it was digital and they're like oh like all of a sudden I, I started hearing people i even heard someone say something pretty like pretty mean about one of my paintings mm -hmm. and i was standing right next to them they didn't realize that i did it they're like oh that's just a digital painting it's like that's not even that's not even art it's just a joke or whatever and and they were saying something like i'd be more impressed if that was actually painted and i'm like listen fucker <laughs> i did paint that all right i could paint circles around you <laughs> like Brilliant. So, I when I started hearing that, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So, but then the the thing is, is as I kept going back year after year, now if you go there, it's ninety yeah. percent digital art. Yeah. So it changed pretty quick to where it's it's mostly digital, and 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 I think I think what's cool about it is, I mean, if, if you get into the show, I mean, who I, who doesn't like to see an original painting? I mean, I love seeing original paintings, and I I wish I had you know, more time to do that. But like, it's called society of illustrators. Yep. And in, then they publish a book of all the illustrations that get in and then, you know, and they get sent around and hopefully art directors um, are excited about something. And then they ask you to do something for them. And that, I mean, that's the whole point is for us to get more work. And so it's like, is it a good painting or is it yep. not? That's the yep. point. Like who cares? Like what it was done with and, but I mean, I do see the benefits of doing things traditionally. You know, you can all then you can sell the original. But um, I, I like to personally just keep my traditional stuff for myself or for private commissions. Yeah, you know? yeah. no, and it's a lot cleaner as well, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> the hours of cleaning brushes and shit like that don't miss that much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. And I think you're right. I think the the tide is turning as far as people's attitudes toward digital. But and it's not people necessarily within the artistic kind of world that are a bit kind of uppity about it it's just general people that you know will go oh it's digital and i think they translate digital as you've painted over a photograph or you've added a filter or do you know what i mean and it's like yeah it's very different you know i i always think photo retouching is, is a completely different art form that some people are brilliant at but that's not painting um what i try and do and what you certainly do and other people do is paint exactly like you would in any medium you know yeah yeah <laughs> so just on that i mean obviously you you teach and you you know you're you're incredibly open with your techniques and and with you know giving advice about how you do things and and stuff like that i was watching a, a an old live stream you've done from a few years ago where you were you were talking about you know your techniques around blocking in and stuff like that and it was, it was fascinating to watch but what kind of advice would you give to any kind of aspiring artists who, who are listening to this, who 
wanted to learn to not necessarily paint like you, but be a great artist like yourself, painting digitally or physically. Is there a kind of key piece of advice that you give your students? Uh, I mean, it, it it is it's interesting because I guess what I would say is first you need to know what is it you want to do. Like, is this a hobby or is this something that you want to do? Like, if you want to make a living. Um, and the funny thing is, what I tell my students is, I say, I say, uh, so. Because they'll they'll ask similar questions, and, I, and I'll I'll tell them, what is it that you yeah. want to do? I, I mean, are you wanting to be a caricature illustrator? And they're like, yeah, it's, you know, so, okay, cool. Well, you're going to be competing against me, so that's the first thing. And so, you need to, um, you know, work harder, get up earlier, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, you 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 have to continue to push yourself. Um, you gotta, you gotta work on all these different aspects. Um, cause that's exactly yeah. what I do. Like I, you know, I see, um, I see artists out there that are kicking butt and, you know, I, I see artists out there that they could inspire me. I'm like, oh man, dude, I gotta do something <laughs> that's like, like take it up to the next notch. And, and, um, so you just have to not be stagnant about yeah. it because, it's there's a lot of competition there's a ton of artists out there there's a lot of amazing artists out there and and there's only a handful of publications really i mean it's it's it it's 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 it's, it's not as like when i was first getting started there was a lot more illustration work mm. um and it and it seems like it goes up up and down though like some people think oh digital or you know public printing is going to be completely over i don't really think so um not entirely. I think there's always going to be something, and but there's always there's all kinds of work. There's advertising work. There's all kinds of different things mm-hmm. you can do. Um, but really, my my recommendation is is have high standards of of uh, like quality and aesthetics, um, which is not always easy to learn or to understand. But so, surround yourself with excellence and and just you know there's a reason why you like certain art so figure out why you like that art and study it and and like i that's what i try to i've always tried to do is i surround myself with excellence i i i look at you know artists like sergeant and different things and i like what is it about this guy that's driving me nuts and i you know or i notice like how beautiful brush strokes are in the hand it's like oh i want to figure that out and so i mean it sounds like cliche but it's just if you really want to make it out there you got to work really yeah. hard um and it's like it's like um like the comedy thing i i'm starting pretty late in the game as far as comedians go like most comedians my age have been doing it for 25 30 years or something um but and it might seem insane that i want to do it but at the same time it's like i realize hey um i can be funny I can I can write something funny. I can perform it. Um, I'm willing to fail at it to get better, and I think that's a huge part about like an being an artist in general is is accepting the fact that you're gonna fail. There's gonna be struggle, but what are you gonna do yeah. about it? Because you cannot succeed and move forward in in anything unless you're prepared to deal with the fact that you're gonna suck. Um, like, like when I do comedy, I know I'm going to get up there and eat a big bag of dicks. <laughs> I know that's going to happen, 
Um, and, and it sucks. And sometimes you think an idea is really funny and it's going to work. And you go up there and nobody laughs. And you're like, okay, well, maybe they're not getting it. And it's like, or maybe I didn't say it the right way. Or, But you can't look at that as a failure. You need to look at that as you just learned one way how not to do something. And that's that's kind of how I think about it with, you know, like, there are so many illustrations I've done that I look back and I'm like, God, that is embarrassing. Like, just, there's, there, like, when Obama was first president, I, I was doing a ton of uh, really quick caricature type work for um, uh, Weekly Standard. They were, like, I was doing, like, basically one spot illustration right. a week. And, and it was awesome because it was, a, it was a, you know, I was... Being published every week, and it was just, it was a cool thing, but they were only giving me a day or so to do something, and it was so mm-hmm. stressful. It was kind of like going to to school or something. It was I was learning so much, and they would be like, "Hey, we want uh, Hillary Clinton um, crying, and she's sobbing, and there's tears, and she's got a, a handkerchief, and then she's holding a, a Barack Obama voodoo doll with pins sticking in his body," and it's like okay i got like a day to come up with this and make it look and so like i I, i've one that's one that came to my Mm -hmm. mind because i remember like just hating it and and then you know and 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 i was right because i saw it again recently and i was like oh geez that was bad like it just it did not turn out now you could look at that and say um is this a failure um some people might think oh that sucks that's a terrible siler i look at it like no I, i was cutting my teeth I was like learning how to do things or learning how not to do something. And I think that's super important. And the truth is, like I said before, sort of joking, like what I tell my students is, I was like, Hey, listen, if this is what you want to do, you're going to be competing against me and I'm not going to let you win easily. Like I'm going to keep going for the the jobs. And every single time I do a job, I'm going to Babe Ruth it. I'm going to try to hit a home run every time. And and that's how I'm going to get the next job and the next yeah. one. And so, it, you know, and guess what? You're also going to be competing against CF Payne and all these other guys that are out there. So yeah. it's like it's not easy and it's hard. Um, but if this is what you want to do, then then you just have to realize that's what that's that's part of the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's effort, isn't it? Uh, you know, you got to You get out what you put in um, in a lot of cases. Yeah. Same with a lot of things, isn't it? But, you know, I think. I was listening to one of your old um, podcasts a while back, and I can't remember your your guest was. It was a buddy of yours who's a, a fellow kind of illustrator, and we talk about you know coming out of art school and people thinking that's it, you know, just going to wait for the jobs to yeah. come rolling in, and then it's like tumbleweeds, <laughs> you know, and and people can't understand why they're not getting cover spots and stuff, and it's like because you've got to you've got to earn your way up. You know, you've got to work your way and prove yourself, and it's tough. You know, it's a tough game, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is really hard, and and it didn't like for me. It didn't happen right away. I mean, it. Um, I I I've explained. I've shared this before. I don't know if you've heard this before on my podcast, but like I I I actually feel proud of myself for figuring this out. Or like like it was clever. Uh, like I, I don't feel bad about patting my, <laughs> myself on the shoulder about this, but I basically, what I was walking around downtown Chicago, and I was super discouraged because I wasn't getting any yeah. work anywhere, and I saw a cracked magazine and it was terrible, 
Like I, I, I didn't even know that they were still a magazine. Mm-hmm. And I picked it up and I looked at it. It was the worst cover I'd ever seen. The inside stuff just looked like shite. <laughs> uh, it was terrible. And so I know it sounds completely arrogant and cocky, but I wrote them a letter and I said, uh, I, I used to be a big fan of Cracked when I was a kid. I, I, I didn't even know it was still around. Um, I'm an artist. I'm trying to get my work out there. I'll just be straight up with you guys. I, I, I saw the last issue and it was terrible. The cover was terrible. The art's terrible. And here's some examples of my work. I think you guys could use some help. <laughs> I basically really? just, I mean, I know it sounds super cocky, but I was like, what do I have to lose? I mean, their ma- their magazine looks crappy. Um, like, just tell them. I, I was just like, what? It's not like I was insulting Mad Magazine or mm. something. Like, it, I know it sounds disrespectful, but it there you have to you'd have to see how bad it was to believe me. It was really mm. bad. Um, the only thing that was good in it was a buddy of mine, Ed Steckley. Um, he was doing some work for them, and he had some of his cartoons in there, and they were really good. Uh, that's it. The rest of it was just like some of the worst stuff I've ever mm. seen. So. I, I kind of figured, what do I have to lose? <laughs> and the crazy thing was, is the art director wrote me back, and he and he goes, um, "Thank you so much um, for being honest, and uh, we really, really love your work. And just to let you know, um, I'm the one that did the cover." <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he goes, uh, "But you're right." He's like, "I'm not really an artist. I, I, I I'm trying to just keep this thing afloat." Wow. And then he was like, would you be interested in doing the next cover? And I was like, sure. So I just, I did the next cover. I did inside stuff. And, and, and then I, and then the funny thing was, is then for the next cover, they used two paintings I had already done and combined them for something. Like I did a Michael Jackson and a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they just put both of them on the cover. I, it was kind of weird. They just like plopped them together <laughs> and um, it some kind of news story and they, they wanted to make it look like one of those, um, those gossip magazines. Um, so it was, they just plopped, plopped them together like that. But, um, but that was kind of a, a cool thing. Uh, cause I was starting to get published and that, but that's, but that gave me this idea. And this is where my idea, where I, I this is the part that I'm proud of, or I think, okay, this was great. Is that I got this idea like, Hey, this worked with cracked magazine. Why don't I start writing all the crappy magazines that I that I see? So I started going to magazine stores and just looking for the worst magazines I could find. <laughs> and then I sent them all my work. Brilliant. And they all started, not all of them, but a lot of them started commissioning me. And they, they had no budget, but I was getting published. Yeah. I was getting covers. and And so now I had my work published and I could – Send it to real magazines. It's fantastic. And so, and 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 I did that for a while. It, like it took a while, and I and I did a lot of crappy work that I'm embarrassed of. But um, it was part of what it took to get where I am now. Um, and then you know, after a while, I started getting big clients, and and you know, it, but even to this day, like I still take on work from clients that you know publications i've never heard of before and yeah um, i don't really care as long as someone's paying me to do what i want to, what i want to do in my work um you know i'm I, it doesn't matter to me if they're a big magazine or not um 
and even like the big magazines like it's really funny my my agent he'll like call me and be like hey i got this this job for you um i think it's perfect for you um I, the art director is such a good guy i really like this guy a lot he's really cool um really friendly you'd love him you'd love him um basically they have no budget but um but hey it's the wall street journal and and they're real prestigious you know you should do this one it's like what no like they if they don't have a budget they they don't get to hang out with me (laughs) it's weird because we have had this debate with other artists about um the difference between exposure getting your work out there and published and you know, yeah. there's a bit of a stigma. I don't know if you've you've picked this up in your circles, but there's a bit of a stigma about people going, "Oh, you know, you're doing work for free." Well, they're just exploiting you. Like, well, no, actually, you know, sometimes you're quite happy to take a, a gig on and do a job because you're you're broadening your reach that you would never get otherwise. You know. Yeah. Now, as you're saying, if it's a multinational kind of magazine or a company that you know can damn well afford to pay for it. That then falls into the exploitation category. Yeah. But if it's like you know a, a kind of a local magazine or a small scale magazine, and and but it's a well read or at least a well visible, you know, a, a visible magazine. As somebody like myself starting, you know, trying to forge a bit more of a career and tip the balance of working, I'm going to take those those gigs. You know, I'm 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 going to yeah. do it. But yeah, it, it upsets a lot of people though, and you know they don't like it. They don't like you doing it as well. You know, they kind of think you're sat, you're just giving your stuff away, and it's like, well, you've got to do something to get in print, haven't you? you no, know. sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just got it. Like, like I mean, I've done, I've done. You know, if if a job is like, even if it's not paying the greatest, if it's something that I think I can do, a, it's going to be a great portfolio piece, yeah. or if it's something that I really believe in, or it also depends on what my timing's like. But I, I don't. You know, I I don't try. I don't I don't really have like a, oh I've done this and this, so I can't I, I can't work for you guys. Yeah. Like, I don't tend to be that way. But like the main thing I think about when it comes to these kind of jobs is, um, are they, what are they paying? Like, like like that's the first. That's the kind of funny thing I tell my agent is, how many years have we've been working together now? Um, I try to to tell him like the, the first thing I want to hear, like when I, when I open an email, I don't want to like an explanation about all this stuff. Like I just want to see what, how much they're paying yeah. and, and what they want me to do and how much time they're giving me. That's the only information I need. Like I don't need a, a backstory or anything. Yeah. <laughs> because like, like a lot of times, you know, like, you know, they really, someone really wants you to do a job and it's like, I get that you really want me to do this job, but, um, I might not want to do. It. Yeah, and that's completely <laughs> so, within your right, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, I, I love the fact that the guy from Crack Magazine was the cover artist. <laughs> Just like, yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, that was. I was like, that was a little bit like, oops, sorry. I mean, to be fair to him, at least he understood his limitations, didn't he? And he was like, I bet when he saw your stuff, I bet he shits because he's probably thinking, "Oh my god, can I do a cover?" Um, <laughs> let me think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's funny because my stuff wasn't that great either. I mean, it was way better than that. But, like, I look at what I did for them now, and I'm like, oh, God, I was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I just think that, um, you know, what the funny thing about that, too, is I was such a punk at that time. Like, I was just, um, I didn't, I mean, literally, I was in punk rock bands and stuff. I was just like, you know, 
I don't know. I didn't have a problem just being blunt about yeah. it. I just feel like, hey, this sucks. I kind of felt like, you know what you know what it was like? It was like, you guys have so little respect for yourselves mm. that you that you published this. Mm. That's how I felt. It's like, dude, you published this? It's It's so bad, and you published it. So I kind of think that that made me feel like a little bit on the right <laughs> of having that kind of attitude yeah. <laughs> of like, cause it was like, like I would never publish something that looked that bad. That's kind of how I was thinking like, these guys must be desperate, <laughs> you know? So it, that's kind of what it felt like. It was like, I think they're begging for somebody to, to please help us. So I, I, that's kind of how I thought about it. Brilliant. And I mean, I look back now and I'm like, geez, I was such a dick, but, um, but I didn't know anything at that yeah. time. I mean, I mean, even back then, I remember the first time, uh, like, I used to think of, like, art directors for big publications, I used to think of them as, like, non-human or, like, it was it was intimidating to, like, get a call from Time Magazine. I, was, I, would, I would stutter and I could barely speak. <laughs> and now it's like, I've got, I've got no problem. But, you know, that's like maybe the, I did go to art school briefly um, uh, for a couple years and then mm. quit. But um, uh, all I did in art school was my gen eds, my, my gen ed education. Mm. So I didn't really do uh, anything towards an art degree. Um, it, it was kind of pointless um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. So the only thing I got out of art college, I went to, I did a couple of years. And then, um, I mean, it was due to family circumstances because my, unfortunately my mum died. And, you know, I had to basically oh, kind of leave school and get a job. You know, it's just, it's life, isn't it? You know, these things happen, yeah. don't they? But looking back, I mean, I learned nothing in art college, the equivalent of art school, because, you know, week one, they taught us to do a color wheel, but didn't actually ever teach us how to yeah. use it. <laughs> so you just painted a color wheel. I wonder what's the point <laughs> of that. And the only thing I ever got from it was life drawing, you know, uh, this love of life drawing. And that's when I realized I wanted to really focus on people and portraits and, you know, the human form. That's, But again, that was down to me going and getting books out the library because we didn't have really the internet, you know, to speak of, uh, and getting Loomis books and stuff like that, you know, and trying to teach myself some of the basics. So, but yeah, it's a very similar experience, I think, with art school. It was just, I was just skinned at the end of it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, the one thing that I learned that I got out of art school was, I. Um, it, it's it's kind of funny when I, when I think back about it, uh, and I, I wish I could, I, could, I wish I could, um, have confronted this teacher, um, but uh, this this you know here I am in art school, and it was a really it's a it's a good art school. It's the American Academy of Art in Chicago, and they you know even with your gen ed classes they they try to make everything like art related. Mm -hmm. So even in your math classes, they, you're you're you know they try to mix in art as much as possible. Um, the science anatomy was, was like an anatomy class, and we we had to learn about the human anatomy inside and out, and be able to draw every bone, everything from memory. And um, it was a real that was a really really tough class, but mm -hmm. uh, it was awesome. Like my my midterm was drawing two hundred six bones front and back from memory, um, proportionately correct, and then for the final, it was we had to do that, and then lay vellum tracing paper on top and then draw all the muscles accurately on top and we had three hours to do the whole thing 
Jesus. I mean, so there was like an amazing class because I I can't I don't know all the names of the muscles or the anat- or the bones anymore as I did before, but I see them everywhere I look. So yeah. like it's embedded in my mind like when I look at things I see the bones and I understand how things are working. Even if I'm looking at an animal and drawing an animal, I I don't I'm not an expert on their bones, but I can see from the lighting and everything and I can look at their the structure and I can you know, it, it, it's a really mm. important class. It's really, mm. it was awesome. But the thing that I got out of it that was the best was this class. It was a, an essay writing class and a speech class. And we had to, uh, the first day, the teacher, she, she tells us that our first assignment is we have to go out and buy um, a copy of the New York Times. Or no, the New Yorker. And she said... Um, if you want to get a passing grade in this class, you need to start writing as if you're um, writing for the New Yorker. And I'm like thinking, wait a minute, I I, I didn't I'm not going to school to learn how to be a writer for the New Yorker. I'm I'm here to to become an illustrator for the New Yorker. Like this is crazy. So I but but I took it seriously and I went and bought the New Yorker and I was just I would just read these essays and read these essays on it. And, and then when I wrote my essays, I tried really hard to, to like, mimic the style that I was – I'm like, I guess I'm becoming a New Yorker writer. So I I was learning how to write, you know, in a way that I never thought I would before. But I remember just thinking, like, years later when I, when I started working for The New Yorker, I wanted so badly to, to bring her a copy of that magazine and say – have you ever gotten any of your writings in the New Yorker? Cause here's my <laughs> illustrations. Like this is what I was supposed to be doing for the New Yorker. But, but like, um, but the thing that the class did teach that I got a lot out of is, is I had, I had been out of high school for mm. eight years by the time I went to art school. So I was like 26 and everyone else was like 18. And so I felt like mm. the old man. And, um, and I, I didn't remember how to write essays or anything like that. It was been so many years. So I remember like the first one we had to do or like a speech I had to do. I had to uh, like Google it. Like, how do you write an essay or whatever? Um, and I just literally followed it to the T. And then um, I, I would get up and I'd, do, I'd have to do these speeches. And it was terrifying. Like, because I had never, you know, now I get up in front of people and talk yeah. all the time. I do a I do a weekly podcast and like and like so it really did help me because one of my first big trips to New York, my buddy Tom Fluharty invited me to go to New York with him, and he introduced me to a bunch of artists and art directors and so on. And one of the first meetings I I went to was um, the Bloomberg Market, which is like a really boring, like political. They have like a news station in there and everything yeah. and. One of my first meetings in New York City, the first time I ever was in New York, I go in there with my portfolio, and I I thought I was meeting with an art director, and instead it was 12 art directors, and I'm in this fancy, fancy building with all the walls are made out of glass, and you can see, like, you can see, like, through all these right. different rooms, and all these people work, it was, like, so futuristic looking, and everyone's all fancy dressed, and I'm just like there with my portfolio and they, they, they tell me to go ahead and present your portfolio. So all of a sudden I'm like in front of this group of complete strangers. They're all very serious art directors and I'm going through my entire portfolio 
explaining my work to them. And, you know, if it wasn't for those speech classes where I had to get up in front of people, yeah. I don't know if I would have been able to do that. And it's, it's come in handy because I, it turns out that I have, I've, I started getting invited to do workshops. And Brilliant. so I had to, you know, so that's the, the funny thing is like, that's the one thing I really think I got out of art school was, you know, learning how to get up in front of people and talk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I had a, 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 an old boss of mine and um, he used to always say, no matter how shitty a job is, try and take something positive from it and take that forward, you know, in your life. And I've kind of always tried to do that. A bit like you're saying there, you know, the, the whole experience may not have been what you thought, but the one thing that you take from it, you know, you've used in, in future kind of development and stuff. Yeah. And then just going back to you, talk about the the anatomy class. Funny enough, we um, a little story when we were in art college because my wife and I were in art college at the same time. And there's a guy who used to get on the same bus as us to, to, to college and stuff. And he was studying medical illustration. And um, <laughs> one day he wasn't on the bus anymore. And we were like, where's he gone? Where's that weird guy gone that used to sit <laughs> over there in the corner? You know, he sat in the same spot. And it turns out he was taking body parts home in his bag. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it's like, what was he doing? And I'm going, oh. I reckon he was making his own girlfriend or something. You know what I mean? He, he, he thought it was Leonardo da Vinci. Weird. Weird, mate. Jeez. That's it's, funny, it's, man. It's an odd world, mate. Yeah. I, uh, I used to get in trouble in art school because, like, I I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's hard for me to, um, like... I don't know. I'm not one of those people, you know, like, like you're in your, I'd be in uh, my art history class and, you know, the teacher would say, what is art? You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's subjective. It, it's, it's, you it can't just, you can't just say that it's one thing or the other, but I can say if something sucks, like, and it's funny because like we would have to give opinions about things. And, and I remember, um, oh gosh. I don't think it was Manet. It wasn't Monet. It was something with an M. Oh, what am I? What is this? It was like an impressionist artist. I can't remember. What, ah, anyways, um, I we were supposed to talk about you know the, the piece of art, and I I raised my hand. And I just said mm. it's terrible, and she was like, "Well, that's just subjective. You can't say it's terrible." I'm like, "No, I I can't. It, that's a terrible painting." And, and and she got so upset, and I go, and I was like, just because it's old doesn't mean that it's good. Thank you. <laughs> it's like it's it's like listen, this guy, I'm telling you that he tried to paint that woman as realistic as he could, but he couldn't because he was terrible. Okay, the brushwork's terrible, the form's terrible, the color's terrible, the the edges are terrible, the anatomy's wrong. Like nothing is good about this, and in, in fact. If this painting was done by one of the students here, it would never be hung in the hallway. Yeah. And if it was, everyone would make fun of it. It's a terrible painting. And by the way, Van Gogh, he did terrible paintings too. And yes, it's okay it's to it's... say that. Yeah. Some of his paintings are freaking awesome. But like, but for some reason, because it was done a long time ago, that means it's art. It's, and it's really good. Mm. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's not. Like it's it, it drove me crazy. Like I got in an argument with her about cave paintings once. Like we're she was showing cave paintings. She was talking about how brilliant this artist was, and I was like, "Excuse me, he was not an artist." And she's like, 
what are you talking about? I go, this is how they communicated and told stories. It's like this guy was like bored in a cave and he took some mud and he drew a stick figure on the wall. That's not art. He's not expressing emotion or, or he's not thinking about any great. He's, he's probably like telling his buddies a story. He's like, the deer was running this way and he just drew it. Like, he's not like. Like invent, you know, it's just it's so ridiculous that I I can't stand I when people do that. It's this like, need to um, impose their view of the art onto you as a viewer that I, it pisses me off. That when I watch documentaries and stuff, and don't get me wrong, I like it when people, um, you know, will give you some insight into the the symbolism of a piece or yeah. whatever it may be, because it it can add to the the whole kind of value of the painting that you're looking at. But I hate it when they say it to you. This painting is telling you A, B, C, and D. And you're like, well, it's not saying that to me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's saying that to you. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the great <laughs> things I loved about um, Rene Magritte. You know, because I, I, I love I loved some surrealist stuff. And I loved Magritte himself. And that's the way that they would always say to me, you know, what's this painting about? And he'd be like, well, it's whatever you want it to be about. And they were like, well, that's yeah. not an answer, is it? Like, but that's the answer. You know, I'm not going to explain it because yeah. we all, you know, we all take from it different things. And they, they used to fucking hate that when they, you know, they, you could see them yeah. in the interviews getting more and more, you know, short with him because they were, they just wanted him to say, it's this, this and that. There you go. And then they can repeat that then with great authority. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one, pal. And, and some of the, the masters, yeah. <laughs> as, as it were, like, you know. Eh. Yeah, it's it's just funny that just because, like, you're supposed to like every Monet painting because Monet yeah. is a famous artist. It's like, well, no, not all of his paintings were great. Just like not, not all of mine are. And, you know, it's like, and it's just funny and it's okay, it's okay to to have an opinion about it. And I, I don't know, like, it, it's funny, like, I remember um, I was just talking on my podcast with Somebody, oh, I think I was talking with, uh, if you don't know this guy, you should check him out. His name is Anthony Adcock, and he, he's an awesome artist. I had him on my podcast right. recently, but he uh, he does these super, super hyper-realistic paintings. They're just unreal, but he'll he'll paint a piece of plywood. Like, he actually paints his, on a canvas, it looks like a real <laughs> piece of plywood. And it's kind of weird, because you walk by and you think, why is someone hanging yeah. a piece of plywood on the wall? But it's actually an oil painting that looks so realistic. Um, but anyways, I was talking to him about how I was at the Art Museum in Chicago. And I was w- looking at this really awesome Monet painting. And I was just looking at it. And there was a, a tour group. And the, the woman was telling the, the, the group what Monet was thinking <laughs> while he did the painting. And it's like, I just wanted to be like, no... I guarantee you he wasn't thinking about anything like that. I could tell you what he was thinking about. He was thinking these goddamn mosquitoes won't stop biting. And uh, I love the way that blue is hitting that the side of that building. I want to make sure I hit that. And I want to, you know, that those are what he was. He wasn't thinking about, you know, whatever political movement or whatever else you want. It, that's ridiculous. Brilliant. He was doing a painting. It, it's just yeah. weird how people do that. It's like. But we've got to have an explanation gosh. for everything, don't we? It's the God of the Gaps thing, isn't it? <laughs> You know, you know, there, oh, there's yeah, no yeah. reasonable explanation. It must be a supreme being and all that horse shit that yep. people come out with. 
Yeah. And you're like, exactly. for fuck's sake. Yep. You know what I mean? It just drives me insane. And and it's the same with art and the same with, with anything, isn't it? You know, people feel the need to fill the gaps in with their own narrative. And you're just like, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. If you don't. That's the thing I, I tried. Like, I've, I was kind of talked with this book with somebody recently. But like, if you don't, it's okay to say that you don't know. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Like, you don't have to, like, make something up because you don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Brilliant. Like, this is goofy. But, like, yeah. That, it's just funny because people do that with art and artists all the time. You know, like, I, I've had people, I've had that about my work before. I've seen people, like, you know, mm. write something or a comment about something. Like, like, I, like they'll, oh, I really like how, you know, you were, you're commenting on society and you're thinking about this kind of thing. And I, I was like, wow, I really wasn't doing any of that. I just did a painting yeah. for this thing. And it's just funny because people do that. They'll they'll try to find certain meetings or, you know, whatever slides in to fit their worldview or whatever it is. And yeah, people are interesting, man. Yeah, and they do it with films, don't they? I mean, you know, every film you see, and they'll, someone will come along and go, this is an allegory for the Bible. And you're like, oh, fucking hell, here we go. Yeah. Aragon is Jesus. <laughs> like, like. No, he's Aragon. <laughs> they just have well, beards. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's been fantastic talking to you. I mean, I'm conscious of time, so I've just got one more uh, question for you, really, which is kind of, given the breadth of work that you've done and the style and, and all the publications that we, we talked about that you've been involved in, if you could have a dream job, um, if you haven't already had it, but what what would it be? You know, what would the gig be? What magazine or publication or... You know what subject matter? What, if somebody said to you, Jason, you can do whatever you want. Do you know what it would be? Man. And if you don't say Star Wars, I'll be bitterly disappointed in you, young man. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool, actually. Oh man, um, no, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And me too. And I've deliberately not strayed into that because uh, <laughs> you know we'd be here all night. Yeah, I, no, I, I love Star Wars. Um, uh, I'm an original Star Wars fan, though. It's our age, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, but there, anyone else who, who thinks differently than us are, are idiots. But they are. Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's the original trilogy, and then there's yeah. wrong. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, no, but yeah, that would be cool. Actually, I never, you know, I, I there, you know, I years ago I got to work on, um, I got to do character design for Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, yeah. and um, that was. That was really cool. I, I didn't get to work very much on it, but a lot of the work I did ended up in the movie, which was a really cool thing. And that was a great experience. And I've always wanted to do more character design for movies. I've done a few here and there since. And so I, I definitely would like to do more stuff like that. Um, also, movie posters and stuff. Like, I, I really would love to do, you know, I, I really love Drew Struzan. Um, mm. I, I don't want to be, I, don't, I would not want my work to, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I would. I want to be able to do what I do in my way for a movie poster, and and not have people go, "Oh, that that's like Drew Struzan." You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. he's yeah. like the king of that. But I would like to to get into that as well, just because I you know mm -hmm. I've done a few, but I'd like to do some more because um, it's just it's a fun experience, and I it's just another um, avenue, I guess, or, or or place to be able to do the work. You know, 
Yeah, because you did one recently, didn't you, for the um, yeah, film? Yeah, 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 I did that. Then I have like 17 people in it or something. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell, man. It was. It was. You must be <laughs> well, insane. the funny thing about that is that that one is... It almost it's like a, it's almost like a collage of all the characters, uh, mm. which is what it is, because the art the director of the movie, like he he had this idea of of having all these characters from the movie, and he's like and he sent me the movie ahead of time, so I got to watch it a few times before, and I got to take screen grabs of of his scenes, and he thought it would be cool to um, basically all the images on the poster are literally caricatured and drawn from scenes in the movie so i wasn't using reference outside the movie like it was like actual right. parts from the movie which is, is a cool idea but it was, it's difficult because they're all taken from different lightings and different like atmospheres so it was difficult to like some guys got light coming from one side of his face and another guy's got from the other side and i gotta somehow put them all together so that was really challenging to try to make it work um, cause normally I would try to find reference of the guy f- with similar lighting or something to, so that, mm. but that was, that was a challenge. But then the other thing was, um, he, the director kept saying, oh, wouldn't it be great to, we should add this guy and, oh, and we can't forget her and, and this other, <laughs> and all of a sudden I've got 17 <laughs> people that I have to try to fit on there. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Jesus. So it was definitely a lot, but I like the way it looked. It, it's, it's a, it's a, it, when you look at the movie poster, it's like, oh, this looks like a fun movie. And and I love those kind of, I love those like '80s comedy movie posters. Uh, a lot, a yeah. lot of them Drew did, like like yeah, a, like yeah. a Police Academy posters. Like I love that kind of stuff. But again, like I would love to do stuff like that. But I wanted, I would like to do it more in my style and caricature a little bit more. Because um, mm. I think like I was, I was originally asked about two years ago to, uh, I was pitched for the idea to paint the Coming to America two movie. With Eddie Murphy, right, and uh, I was like, oh, "Please, yes, um, I would love to do that." And uh, you know, like the original movie, I think is a painted cover as well. I don't know if Drew did that one or if, if I'm not sure, but um, I believe it was like realistic type portrayals of the characters. But I was thinking, dude, it'd be awesome to do like a caricature cover, and, and um, you know, it'd be really cool. But I'd also be open to do, you know, similar to the original, just updated a little bit more style wise or whatever yeah but um it, it ended up i don't even know what happened to it really like it went somewhere else but, but yeah i i would love to do more of that kind of stuff you know i i still have i can't even believe that I, i've gotten to, to do some of the things i've done so i i feel so grateful for, like for the, the the time covers and the different things like that that i've done but there's still things i like i have on my dream bucket list you know like I would love to do a New Yorker cover one day. Um, I don't know if that's ever going to be possible because I think the way that they work is, I don't, I don't think, I think they rarely commission someone. I think they work by submissions. Like a lot of people submit ideas and most of the covers that they use are, are more like cartoony or uh, what's the right word. I don't know if my style would really flow for their cover yeah. but i think i could make a cool cover for them and i so that's that's definitely a dream job that i would love and then i'd also love to do a cover for rolling stone um you know i i haven't worked for them for a while i'm not sure why but i think they they like to choose a lot of um new artists on, like 
like a lot of the art that inside the magazine besides like regulars that they have is usually mm. like right out of art school uh, people it seems like so mm. i think that they like to try to give a lot of artists chances to get in there um but i would like a cover i think it'd be great to do a rolling stone cover um mm. so yeah i mean i still have dreams you know <laughs> i mean really the, the the truth is though is i i just i'm just happy with getting as much work as possible uh because you know i've got four daughters to take care of and that's really that's really what i think about the most <laughs> yeah so like as long as you if you pay me well and i get to do what, what i what i love doing then i'm pretty much happy you know Brilliant. for the most part no that's that's fantastic mate and you, i again genuinely appreciate you kind of giving up your time as well um to come and talk to us about this stuff because it's just fast i love i love talking art with artists and process and i know a lot of the people who listen that's that's what they like you know they like to hear what motivates people and and all that kind of stuff so it's been really really great man i've, I've heard you sketching as well while we're uh while we're talking and i'm back in mind i'm thinking what's he drawing what's he sketching <laughs> i didn't i didn't know if you could hear that yeah no i'm, I'm, I'm actually been working on that book cover while we were talking brilliant yeah but, uh, no it's, it's been superb mate i really do appreciate you coming on is there any kind of upcoming projects that you want to let people know to look out for? Is the podcast and, and stuff like that for the time being till your comedy career yeah. kicks into high gear? Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I have, um, yeah, I'm doing the, you know, I do the podcast. I try to do it every week. Um, this week I'm talking with a comedian, uh, Jessica Kirsten. She's a hilarious comedian from New York. She just did a special that was produced by Bill Burr right. and uh, she's, she's awesome. So I'm talking to her tomorrow and, I uh, might be talking with Jim Lee uh, very soon, which I'm trying to figure that out for next oh, week, right. maybe. Uh, but yeah, the podcast is Face the Truth, and um, it's 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 kind of like what we just did. I like I like to I like to you know have genuine conversations with with artists, yeah, and real talk, and I I you know basically just a chance to be able to talk with someone and an artist that perhaps you're a fan of that. You, you've never heard them in this way before. Like you have a genuine mm. real conversation and I, I don't really prepare too many questions. I like to just go with the flow and who knows where it's going to go. And, um, and so I do that every week. There's that. And then, um, you know, my Instagram is just Siler paints and I try to post as much work or if, if I can't post new things, cause I'm working on stuff, I'll try to, I try to always post some, uh, even some, older work or just you know i try to interact with as many people as possible um i like trying to create like an art community if i can um but yeah other than that i'm just uh working as much as i can and i teach at schoolism uh two courses one on caricature illustration and another one on realistic portrait painting and um i'm kind of work been working on an idea for a new class for them but i'm not sure yet what's going to happen with that yet um right yeah i'm just kind of always keeping myself busy and i definitely am uh still working on the comedy stuff and i have about 10 minutes of material and i can't wait to get out and start working on it again yeah so that's pretty much it <laughs> and if you never listen to um face the truth it is a brilliant podcast i've got to say it's it's, it's one of the things i put on in the studio and i just it, 
you know, it, it kind of plays in the background whilst I'm painting. And so I really enjoy it. Oh, mate. Thank you. Um, you've got some fantastic guests on. And the thing I like about it, like you say, it's very natural. You know, it's a very natural conversational kind of podcast, really, where, you know, you're not trying to force in questions and stuff like that. It just sounds like two guys in a bar or a guy and a woman in a bar just having a chat. And it's it's great. Thank you. I really it. appreciate it. That's true. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if anybody isn't sure where to, you can find Jason's work and stuff. I'll put all the uh, the links in the show notes for this episode, so you, you've got absolutely no excuse for not tracking down his work. And you'll be, if you've never seen it, then prepare to have your mind blown because you you truly are a master. It's brilliant <laughs> stuff. And if you want to see any more about my work, then obviously you can find me at art92.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all art92.com because, like I say, every week, you know, you, you get to my age, you're lucky if you remember to put your pants on in the morning. So you've got more than one social media handle, you're fucked, basically. Um, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you have because Jason's been brilliant, really genuinely fun. Then you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you can subscribe because you can find all our old episodes. And uh, if you feel inclined, give us a review. But once again, I just want to thank you, Jason, for giving up your time, mate. Really appreciate it. It's a true honor. It's a true honor to have you on. It really is. My pleasure, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. No, thank you. And for everyone listening, I will leave you with a quote from the surrealist Salvador Dali, who said of portraits and caricatures, the reason that some portraits don't look true to life is that some people make no effort to resemble their pictures. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.